0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Within this series, Encountering Jesus, again, this is the fourth week, We are on this somewhat as a reminder of kind of why we exist. We exist to help people encounter Jesus. And something special happens, certainly, especially the first time someone comes into an encounter with Jesus, which is why we're doing what we're doing next week. Uh, Super Sunday next week. um, Be praying this week um, for who you would bring with you. We're gonna have extra chairs set out across all of our campuses. I know uh, some of the campuses, there's not a, a ton of extra seating in this service, but we're, we're gonna put out some extra chairs. And so don't miss next Sunday and bring somebody with you who needs to encounter Jesus. So that's, that's why we exist. But also, we also, not only do I want all the people who are new and haven't yet encountered Jesus, but I want you to encounter Jesus today fresh and new. Uh, every, every time we gather together, yes, that's why we're here, is so that uh, we will encounter Jesus. It just changes uh, kind of who we are and, and what's going on. And so in this encounter we're going to look at today in Scripture, it's John chapter 4. If you have a copy of God's Word, you can go there, John chapter 4. And it's uh, this woman as she encounters Jesus at a well. She's uh, known to us now as the woman at the well. She encounters Jesus at this well. Um, We're not going to spend a ton of time on her encounter with Jesus. Instead, we'll spend more time on what happened after her encounter with Jesus. Let me just give a little backstory because there's some parts of it that I love. But Jesus makes his way to Samaria. It's kind of a little bit out of the way, actually. But he has an appointment with her. She doesn't know it, but he does. And he goes to this well and he sits and it's middle of the day and he's thirsty and tired and here this woman comes and so they start to have this dialogue and he says hey can you get me something to drink and she says why are you asking me you you shouldn't even be talking to me because there was some stuff going on racially, and, and uh, some prejudice going on there. Also, a, a man talking to a woman in public, a, a, somebody that, especially that he didn't know, a rabbi speaking. There's a lot of reasons. So she says, why are you even talking to me? And, uh, and so why are you asking me for water? And then Jesus says, well, actually, if you knew the kind of water I had, I mean, you'd be asking me. And so she says, well, I mean, how you don't even have anything to draw water. What are you talking about water? He says, no, 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 this is living water. It's, it comes from within. She says, well... Well, then I'd like to have some of that. It's, you know, it's eternal, yeah, I'll take some of that. And I, this is part of the story I love, and we're gonna pick up from here in just a moment. This is a part of the story I love. He goes, hey, go call your husband. And then she goes, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right that you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you live with now is not your husband. And this is my favorite part of the whole story. To that, she responds and she goes, sir, I see that you are a prophet. <laughs> I mean, isn't that just the most amazing response? Like he's met her for the first time ever, and he's like completely just everything about her, and then she's like, "I sense you're a prophet." Yeah, I think this is getting real, real fast. Uh, and so then in the midst of that, that's where we'll pick up in verse 25 and 26, as she starts to get a sense that this man she's meeting is someone special. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. She's saying, at some point, I know this is supposed to happen. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. So here's what she's saying. She's saying, like, there's been a lot of talk here about water and metaphors. And, and uh, you, obviously, you know some stuff about me. I don't understand all that. At some point, I'll get it all when the Messiah comes. And then verse 26, Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you, I am he. And this is so significant because this is the first time and really one of only about two times in scripture where Jesus comes right out and says, no, 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 I am the Messiah. I'm the one that everybody's looking for. I'm gonna uh, share within this, uh, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna share this message within this series and countering Jesus, but in this message entitled uh, Instinctually Influential instinctual influence are you ready let's pray Lord we pray that you would anoint this word help us to be um, hearing what you would have to say to us uh, help us to respond to your word to be obedient to your word in Jesus name we pray and everybody said amen. come on everybody said amen, amen. I just like you to get warmed up with your amens because here in this service you can you can feel free if uh, God speaks something good to say amen uh, is anybody? Let me just take a quick poll across all the campuses. Is there anybody here that would call yourself a foodie? Just wave at me if you go. Yes, I am a self-proclaimed foodie. Okay, some of you. How many in the in the services today would go? I don't even know what you're talking about. What is a foodie? Anybody in that category? That's what I thought. A couple of you. All right, so let me just define what I think a foodie is. I purposely did not look up a formal definition because I think I have a pretty decent grip of what a, a foodie is. This is my definition of a foodie. My definition of a foodie would be this. A foodie is somebody that um, is, is really open and prefers new dishes, new restaurants, uh, new genres versus what they've already known in the past to, to eat. Is that fair enough for some of you foodies? You go, yeah, that's me. I like, I'd rather go somewhere new or try a new dish at a restaurant I've been to before, okay? That's one definition. And then the other definition for me that I've, I've kind of made as a, as a foodie, it's one who's willing to maybe spend a bigger portion of the budget for those culinary experiences. So like I'm, I'm saying I, if, even if it costs me more time, even if it costs me if I have to drive further away, or if it, even if it costs me a little bit more money, I'm willing to invest in that because of the experience of the food and the moment and the environment and all that. So if that's a pretty reasonable definition of a foodie, then that puts me outside of a foodie. I am not a foodie, according to those definitions. Because, first of all, I typically don't try new things. Like, I like to go to the same restaurant that I've been to before that I know is good. And when I go to that restaurant that I've been to before, guess what I'm gonna order? Well, why would I differ from anything else? I already know I like the meatloaf. So my fear, right, is I'm gonna get there and order somebody, you should try this. And I tried that, and then my first bite, I'm like, "Uh, this is not as good as what I know I like here. What was I thinking? So I like to go to the same places and most of the time, and I like to eat what I've already eaten there. That's why I'm not a foodie. And then the other reason why is I can enjoy an $8 meal just as much as an $80 meal. (laughs) I'm serious. Like going down, it just feels the same level of just beauty. You know, I don't know. Like it's just, it's fine. And uh, and I'm not saying I, I don't sense the difference. Like I know that sometimes the, the ambiance is worth it and, and the quality of food is that much. I, I get that. I'm just saying that I can enjoy both um, pretty, much, pretty much the same. And so even though I am not a foodie, I found myself in the last month or month and a half, I mean being absolutely evangelistic about a couple of restaurants that were somewhat new on the radar for me, all right? And so I was, I mean, I was talking to everybody all the time. I'd be sitting down at a meal somewhere else, and I kept saying, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Even though I'm not a foodie. Now, I'm not going to tell you which restaurants those are, because I don't need to be fighting the crowds, okay? I don't need y'all going there, (laughs) crowding it all up. All right, so I'm not going to tell you. It's two restaurants, though, that are both in the kind of semi-new to the Waterford Lakes area. And I mean, I have been talking them up. I have been sharing. I have been anointed. I have been, like, just, I mean, giving the message to anybody that will listen. Now, here's the interesting part of this. Here I am sharing about trying to influence people to go, trying to influence people to try it. And here's the thing. I don't even know all the ingredients in the dishes that I'm pushing. I don't know what's all's in there. I don't know the history of the company that, that launched out into these restaurants. My server, when I was at these restaurants, my server didn't inspire me or encourage me or request that I go share the news to everybody else, yet there I am just being very, very evangelistic about these restaurants. I don't know where these restaurants stand on all the issues. But there I am. I mean, I find myself just almost instinctually just talking about, oh, you should go try it. I've only eaten at these places once or twice. And yet there I am. I just keep talking about them, keep talking about them. I don't even have the whole menu memorized. (laughs) But yet there I am. I'm still talking about and trying to get somebody else to encounter something. Um, I've not been to every location of these restaurants. But there I am. Instinctually influencing people to try what I had encountered and found to be incredibly fulfilling. This is what happens with this woman at the well. She, after her encounter with Jesus, launches into this instinctual ministry launches into finding her influence and and, and using her influence to help other people encounter Jesus. How, How do we get to that? How would we get to that, tap into that instinctual influence that's inside of each one of us? I would say, first of all, as I look at her story, I would say, first of all, have confidence in your call. Can I just tell you this? You are called. There's a call of God on your life. I'm not saying that everybody has a, has a call of God on your life to do what I'm doing in this very moment. But everyone has a call of God on your life to go where you go and represent him and be an ambassador for him. And she senses this at a very, very early stage. She, she senses this call on her life. And, um, and it was very, um, for her, that was a big step. There was a lot of people in her life that would have said, She's the last one that Jesus would call. As a matter of fact, in verse 27 of John chapter 4, the disciples returned because they had been away while he's talking with this woman. And when the disciples returned, I just got to tell you, the disciples were a little bit surprised to walk up on this situation. They were surprised that Jesus was talking to a woman, they were surprised that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan. They were surprised that, um, that, that, that this whole scene, and when they get back, they return, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But none of the disciples had the guts to ask, so they're just thinking it. It says none of them asked, um, what do you want? None of, them, none of them said that to her. None of them said to Jesus, why are you talking with her? And so the reason why they were so surprised is because there was a lot of prejudice built in to this scenario. There was a lot of racism built into this scenario. Jews and Samaritans did not get along, they did not talk to each other. And I just gotta tell you right now, how many know this, racism is a sin? Can I just, can I just speak that out? We, we don't believe in that. Matter of fact, we, I just love that we're a picture of heaven, in Jesus' name. This, the, matter of fact, this month is uh, Black History Month, and at the end of the month, we're going to do something in service, and all throughout the month in social media, we're going to be talking about some of the uh, great Black people in, Amer- in in history, in American history, especially those that advanced the kingdom, and so um, so. Here, and they come up on this scene where there's been major prejudice, um, major racism. Jews and Samaritans did not like each other, did not speak to each other, and yet Christ comes into this and has a way of overcoming all of that, speaking into her life in a way that moves past all of those limitations. And because of that, she's this woman that would be the last one with her history, with her um, heritage, She's the last one that anybody would think would be used of God, and yet look at verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Wow! That, amen, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen unless this woman hears, senses, feels the call of God on her life. Now here's the thing she did not have all the answers, okay? She had not known Jesus very long. Let me say it this way, she had not gone to church for like a whole year. I'll say it this way, she she had not finished starting point yet. I'll say it this way, she had not connected, grown, or served yet, and there she was reaching. I mean, what are we waiting for? We keep thinking that there's going to be some sort of moment, some magical moment where now all of a sudden I'm all equipped and now. No, no, no. You know what? When you encounter Jesus, something something in you should just click and you should go Man, I remember again. That's why I want you to encounter him today. I want you to remember again how good God is. I want you to encounter him and feel fresh and new and go, you know what? I remember I was lost. I was broken. I was hurting. I was isolated. I was alone. I had nowhere to turn. And when I encountered Jesus, everything changed. I want you to be reminded of that because it will stir something inside of you that there's people in your life that are exactly where you were. Notice that Jesus didn't even call her. There were some people in Scripture where Jesus would be like, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That literally happened. In this, he did not say, go tell somebody about me. No, it's just that because of her encounter with him, it was like she called herself, and I'm here for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm okay with it. She just knew that this is worth the risk. This is worth stepping out. This is worth, there was a sense on her life, a, a call that others should encounter what she has encountered. Have confidence in that call in your life. And then in verse 28, it says, then leaving her water jar, and that's, that's significant. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see the man who said everything that I ever did. I think that, that leaving uh, the, the, the water jar behind you is significant because it represented for her leaving behind an old purpose and prioritizing a new purpose in her life. If we're going to find that place of instinctual influence, that, that sense that Maybe I could help other people encounter Jesus. If we're going to find that, it would mean that you'll have to prioritize not your purpose, not your old purposes, but his purpose in your life. And so she leaves the water jug behind. Now, at the beginning of the day, her purpose was different than it was at the end of the day. Let me tell you what her purpose was at the beginning of the day. At the beginning of the day, her purpose was to stay isolated, to stay in shame, uh, to not interact with anybody. And that's why she was at the well when she was at the well. The Bible says it was the sixth hour. Most scholars believe that that would have put it around noon, in the heat of the day. And in that culture and in that region, that is not when women went to gather water. As a matter of fact, most of the time, women would go early, early in the morning, maybe late in the evening. Either time, they would go in the cool of the day, and they would not go alone. They would go in groups. This was the custom, to go in the morning and go with people, and yet we find this woman going not in the morning, but in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, and not with anybody, but by herself, why? Because of her past, because of her present, because of her situation, and so her purpose was to hide out, her purpose was to stay alone, and yet she leaves the water jug behind and finds a new purpose, this woman that was once going to be isolated and alone now runs back into town, and she's going, everybody, come here. I got news, you gotta hear this. What a departure from her old purpose. And listen, some of us, there are some old purposes we've been living for, and some of us, we need to leave our water jug at the well and start to discover what God's really put on your life. You go, I mean, can I not accomplish things for God if I'm holding on to some of the other purposes in my life? Maybe. I don't know. I know this. Uh, uh, Not too long ago, my wife and I ran up to see our our son, and we were staying in a a hotel. um, And when we went, we brought both of our dogs because our son wanted to see our dogs more than he wanted to see us, probably. So we brought the dogs with us. We kind of regretted it for a few moments, but... um, we were walking up the stairs uh, to our room, and I don't know if any of you have ever done this. You've, you've heard of people falling down the stairs. I don't know if any of you have, fell in, have ever fallen up the stairs. I fell up the stairs. Let me tell you, it's not much better than falling down the stairs. So she had a bunch of stuff in her hands. I had bags on my, in my, I'm carrying bags, and I also got both leashes for both dogs. And as we're walking up the stairs, my dog started smelling something in that hallway. I don't even know, what, I don't wanna know what was going on in that hallway but they were very fixated and smelling it. And so they started kind of spinning around and they, would, they weren't walking with me and I was trying to go and they were coming around and the leashes kind of tripping me up. And so I feel it coming. It was like slow motion. I'm like, well, this isn't going to end well. And I'm just, I fell up the stairs and uh, landed on my arm. My arm's still a little bit sore from falling up the stairs. And I thought about it many times after. I thought, man, if I had just let go of that stuff, if I had just let go of those leashes, I could have caught myself if I just let go of them. But there I am. I'm like, well, I can't let go of the dogs because they might run away. and So there I just go, falling up the stairs. And I eventually got up the stairs with the dogs, with the stuff. And they knew I was pretty frustrated too. But (laughs) amen. Don't worry. Those dogs get treated way good. Don't worry. I finally made it up. But I made it up bruised. I made it up in pain, and I made it up a lot slower than I would have and could have and should have. So you go, can I still hold on to my fear and still do something for God? I mean, maybe. Can I still hold on to my past hurt and still do something for God? I mean, do I have to leave that at the well? Can I still hold on to my past rejection? Because one time I did try to, to talk to somebody about Jesus and it didn't go well because they asked me a question that I didn't know. And so then I got all scared. Listen, you know, how, you know what you do in that situation? If somebody asks you a question about God that you don't know, you say this. I don't know. But why don't you come to my church and we'll find, we'll, we'll find somebody that maybe knows the answer to that question. That's Okay. We're gonna have to leave some of those things. Leave that little life of convenience behind. Leave that mediocrity at the well. Leave that apathy behind. Some of us, we, we just, we're we, we, we holding on to apathy. and We just go, I just don't know if I wanna care about the things that God cares about. No, leave that at the well. Leave that selfishness. Leave that inconsistency. Leave that, that, that compromise at the well. And if you will, if you'll let go of those things, the past failures and the, the past, if you'll let go of those things, You old men, you want to talk about doing something for God. You want to talk about feeling like you're actually finding the purposes of God on your life. If you'll leave that old things at the well, God will use you in ways you never dreamed before. you got to leave some of that behind. Some of you need to leave behind even the way that you're dealing with the lost. Because I feel like the world is pushing us. I mean, the world wants the church to talk about everything but our beliefs. Have you noticed that? They're trying to get you to talk about this and talk about that. And some of you are just falling into that. and You're just fighting with everybody and argumentative with everybody and trying to win arguments instead of winning people. Leave that at the well and let's keep our purpose what our purpose is. We're here to help people encounter Jesus. Let's talk about that. Amen. I just like that in this woman's life, the priority of Christ is what was what rose to the top of her life. She leaves the well, the old purpose, the old plan. She leaves that, that, that jar right there at the well. And then also in verse 29, in this interaction that she has now with these people in town, the disciples have come, and now they're dealing with Jesus, and they're talking to Jesus about stuff, and she's ran back into town, and she's now telling everybody. And look at what she says in verse 29. She says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town, and they made their way towards him. I like the sense of urgency that this woman found. She, she unleashes, unleashes a sense of urgency. I kind of hear it this way, that she gets back into town, and she says, Come, like I feel like she's, like she's walking this way as she's saying it, like come on, hurry, like I don't know how long he's gonna be there. He's at the well when I left, but he may not be there forever, so, so come. I, I feel like it's now or never, but you, you've got to meet this person. He told me everything I ever did, and in this moment of urgency, she's like, come on, come on. And the funny thing is, as she's having the moment of urgency there in town, Jesus is talking about urgency at the exact same time at the well. Yeah. He's talking to the disciples, and they're kind of clueless on the whole thing. They've shown up, and they don't understand why he's talking to her. She runs off. They're still uncertain. They're like, did you, did you eat, Jesus, because we went to get food? And he goes, oh, trust me, I'm good with food. And they're like, well, who gave him food? And he goes, you don't even understand. I got food you don't even know about. My food is to do the will of God. My food is to do purpose. That's the food I'm talking about. They're still kind of clueless. And then finally, Jesus, he talks urgency, too. She's talking about it in town, and he's talking about it to to the disciples in verse 35. He says, don't you guys have a saying, it's four more months and then the harvest? He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest now. Now is the moment. Now there's urgency. That's the thing about a harvest. There is a time attached to harvest. I got to say that one more time. There is a time attached to harvest. Food that is ripe will turn rotten if it's not harvested in the right time. There, so that means this coming Sunday, what we're trying to, the, the net we're trying to cast and the harvest we're trying to reach, is there gonna be other Sundays? Yes, but there won't be one like next Sunday it's somebody's appointment is next Sunday. And I don't want somebody to miss their appointment encountering Jesus because I have not sensed the urgency in my life. No, I want to have that sense of urgency. Matter of fact, I pray for that sense of urgency every single time we gather because every time we gather, I know this, this could be somebody's first ever service like this. This could be somebody's first ever moment that they could encounter Jesus and it could also be somebody's last service urgent urgency and so let that spirit of urgency come on you as a matter of fact we're going to pray in just a moment for a sense for a spirit of urgency before we do i I just want to uh, mention something that happened this week but grab one of these tickets and if you don't have one uh, if you didn't grab one yet our ushers can help you grab one but um as you hold this in your hand, in just a moment, we're going to pray and just ask God to give us a sense of urgency. I'm not done preaching. I've got a, one, one, a little bit more to go, but we're going to pray. But this week, I had one of, my, one of our pastors come to me and tell me what happened this week. He said, hey, I have a friend who's very high up in a very well-known, well-established parachurch ministry. This person's high up in that organization, but he has a daughter that's away from God. And um, she's been running from God for quite a while and in quite a wild lifestyle, just breaking her family's heart and that's the decisions that she has made. He said, but this week she came home, she told me what had happened as she, on her way home. Wherever she was, she'd gotten an Uber and the Uber was gonna take her home. And when she got into that Uber car to get uh, to the ride, t- to home, um, the Uber driver the whole ride Start talking to her about Jesus. Just started to share with her about just the love of Christ and, and whatever. And so, man, she's, she's got no choice. She's a captive audience at that point. And at the end of the ride, she comes home and tells her dad this. She says, at the end of the ride, uh, after this guy's talked to me about Jesus the whole ride, he pulls out one of these. <laughs> and he says, hey, uh, on Super Sunday, you should come to my church, uh, whatever. This girl comes in and tells her dad this story and follows it up to, to her father's shock and she says, I think I'm gonna go to that church next Sunday. And I heard that story and two things, I, one of the things I immediately thought of was back in one of our Friday night prayer meetings during the fast when we prayed specifically for lost children. We said that this is gonna be a year that lost children come back to Christ. And I just thought, God, you're answering our prayers. But I also thought of this, and we're gonna be praying for her. I don't know her name, but she's gonna be here next week and she's she's gonna get right with God, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna be praying for her, but that opportunity would not be there if one of you out there driving Uber decided to take a risk and sense urgency that this could be her moment. Take a risk of maybe getting a low rating on Uber to tell somebody, talk to somebody about Christ. Let's pray that we would have that same sense of urgency. Before I finish the message in just a moment, our campus pastors will finish. Let's pray though. Hold one of these tickets in your hand. Lord, I pray that you'd just stir in us a sense of urgency. There are people that are appointed. The harvest is ripe. And I pray that you would speak to us about our one. Speak to us about who we could invite. Speak to us about who we could bring. Even next week. And we pray that you would begin to move on them and soften their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. The last part of this story that I'll, I'll, I'll end with here is kind of the, I mean, you could stop right there and the story is awesome. Because this, this woman encounters Jesus and though she's not all that qualified, she goes in and starts to tell other people about Jesus and they believe on Jesus because of her testimony. You could stop there and go, That's amazing. But believe it or not, it gets even better. Like, there is an evolution to this encounter. And this is what I want you to understand. I want you to expect an evolution on the encounter with Jesus. Because in verse 40 through 42, when the Samaritans came to him, so, right, she goes into town, come see. So they come out, and they they encounter Jesus. And when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him, Jesus, stay with us, like how about that? Just don't leave, stay here. And so Jesus did. Jesus stayed with them for two more days and because of his words, many more become believers. Wow. So it started out with just one woman telling a few people they experienced Christ. Now these few people, what happens in their life? Instinctual influence. What happens in their life instinctually they go man i want someone else to encounter what i've just encountered the same thing that the woman did now these other people do they say jesus will you come will you stay and now many more believe it's like that's how you go from adding to the kingdom to multiplying in the kingdom watch this next week is not even about who will be reached next week but next week is about who those people who are reached who they will reach in the coming weeks Isn't that awesome? That's the way it works. That's the evolution of an encounter. That is why we exist to help people encounter Jesus. And so I would beg of you this, do not say no for them. Don't say no for your friends. Don't say no for your family. Don't say no for your co-workers. Well, I invited I invited Bob one time like seven years ago. Don't say no for him. Bob's in a different place now than he was seven years ago. Don't say no for your kids. Oh, my kids, they, they, they always tell me no. Don't say no for them, though. No. Have that sense that this thing is, is, is multiplying. We're going to reach. Not only those are we going to reach, not only is it about them, but it's about who they are going to reach when they encounter Jesus. And and there's been some good news. Like there was a survey that Barna put out just not too long ago. They did a survey in uh, October of 2022. And they found that uh, in this survey in the U.S. that there's on the rise. In the U.S. there had been a a, a pretty steady tick down as far as spiritual hunger or uh, interest in God. That had been on a pretty steady level decline really over the last 30 or 40 years. But in this most recent study, they they see everything ticking the other direction. Three out of four people, not Christians, three out of four people in our country say they want to grow spiritually. Additionally, 77% say they believe in a higher power. Nearly half of everyone they surveyed said that they are more open to God today than they were before the pandemic. Yeah, there's something happening in our world. I was sensing it. I was sensing it before I saw this report. Because I remember 2020. I remember how difficult 2020 and 2021 was. I remember watching students having to miss out on stuff that we all look back on adults and go, man, that was a fun season of my life. And they're missing out on it. And I remember the, the loss and the heartache and the, and the grief. I remember what we were all going through. But now I see that even in that God stirred something in people's heart, and I sensed it before I even saw the study. It just seemed like people are looking for something real. People are just looking for an answer. They're just going, man, this world has turned me upside down, and I need something more than myself. And so if they're out there starting to hunger, then let's be the ones that present them with some hope. It's the last thing I'll share, and then we're going to pray. But in 2010... There's a man by the name of David Blouser. He was a mailman in the Philadelphia area. And uh, he had worked for the post office for about 14 years, every day putting on his uniform and going and delivering mail. And then out of nowhere in 2010, he just disappeared. His wife, his kids, nobody knew where he was. They start to do some investigation, start to get worried, days go by, he's nowhere to be found. Um, And and as they're searching for him and as they're in this investigation trying to just figure out what happened, they start to kind of look around and then they find something very, very interesting. They find bags and bags and bags of unopened mail and packages hidden all over his attic, all over his garage. Like almost 13,000 pieces of mail. Now, they end up finding him, and, and, and he comes forward. But that's not the part of the story that, that got to me. The part of the story that got to me was, like, all of those pieces of unanswered mail. The part that got to me is that there were some number of days where David was getting up and taking a shower, and he was putting on his uniform, his mail carrier uniform, and he was going and getting in a truck. And he was going and he was picking up the mail and he was driving off and everybody thought that he was delivering the mail and he wasn't. He was just taking it and he was hiding it. And I started thinking about how many letters, how many packages, how many notices never went out, how many warnings did people not receive, how many communications, how many love notes never got delivered, how many documents never reached their recipient, all because he didn't do What he was called to do. He's called to deliver, and instead of delivering, he just hides the messages. Does that remind you of anybody? I know I've been guilty of that. I mean, we can come to church and we can look like we got it. I mean, we looked apart. We got the Christian uniform on. Do you know what? As part of the Christian uniform, you know why you got that uniform? Because you are an ambassador of Christ that you are to represent him everywhere you go. Do not hide the message. Don't hide that message in your closet. Don't hide that message in your your garage. No, light a lamp and let all the people see it. Like, let the light of God shine through your life. Because you are called to be the message giver. This is the way Jesus set it up so that we could be representing him. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.